Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through His Word. Be blessed. Greetings to everyone in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. This is our third podcast for the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. We have had a background of the book of Galatians, and we have covered chapter 1. Today we're going to go into chapter 2 and not go back and review of what we have already said But remember that these chapters are given much later. This is a continual thought that is taking place. I want to always emphasize this because in the Western world, we try to isolate God's Word into chapter and verse divisions. And I want you to look past that and see that this is a continuation of Paul defending his ministry and what God had done personally within his life, that God revealed himself by his grace through his son to Paul, and he was changed by the gospel. It did not come from man. It came completely from God. He's going to continue this as we go into chapter 2, what's designated as chapter 2. And we want to read the first 10 verses here, and Yoni's going to read these verses for us But remember, he's already had a private meeting, was in Jerusalem for 15 days, and he became acquainted with Cephas, uh, Peter, and with Jacob, these two apostles, and people in Syria and Cilicia and the churches of Judea are praising God for the one that used to persecute us now is proclaiming the faith. And they're glorifying God because of what God has done in Shaul's life. And now we're going to continue. Let's read these first 10 verses. Then after an interval of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. It was because of a revelation that I went up, and I submitted to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. But I did so in private to those who were of reputation, for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in, who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. But we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour, so the truth of the gospel would remain with you. But from those who were of high reputation, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. But on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, For he who effectually worked for Peter and his apostleship to the circumcised effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing that the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who are reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I also was eager to do. Now look at this biographical sketch. Fourteen years have gone by. I do not believe it's three plus fourteen. 
but the 14 years included the, the things that were said in the past. So if Paul, Shaul, was saved around 33 to 35 A.D., this would put this private meeting in Jerusalem in which Barnabas and Titus went. It was a private meeting. It's not Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 is an open meeting. It's a council But this is a private meeting prior to what's going to take place at the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. That 14 years have gone by. Now, I've said this is around 48 to 49 A.D. 14 years doesn't mean that it has to be completely 14 years. But within 14 separate years that had gone by, for example... It says that Paul spent three years in Ephesus. Later, we know specifically it was two years and three months. So it could have been anywhere from 33 to 35 A.D. that this uh, of Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, but when we get to Acts chapter 15, it's 49, 50 A.D. So this is a private meeting that's taking place in which he goes with Barnabas. He takes Titus, who is a Greek believer, That means he is not circumcised. He does not circumcise them. He does not feel the necessity to circumcise Titus. And he goes there and he begins to share of how God was using them among the Gentiles. And then he shared this testimony of people of high reputation within the church. He says that's not important because all people are the same. He mentions three individuals here. He mentions Peter, Jacob, and John, who are pillars, pillars of the faith. He shares how God is using them among the Gentiles. And what is so incredible here is that they gave to him and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. What that is saying, their preaching and their teaching and what is happening through their lives to the Gentiles, to the people of Galatia, that what they are doing, Peter is saying, yes, this is the true gospel. James is saying, Jacob is saying, John is saying, others are saying, we give you the right hand of fellowship. This is of God so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They were being used more in Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria, but now the gospel is going to the Greek-speaking world in mass numbers, to the nations, to the Gentiles, and they're praising God and saying, yes, this is right. And so initially, Paul starts off a revelation from Jesus Christ. He does not consult men, but he goes to Arabia Three years later, he goes to Jerusalem, has 15 days, and he becomes acquainted with Peter, with Jacob, and others. But now after 14 years, around 48, 49 A.D., he takes Barnabas, he takes Titus. They do not circumcise him. They go and share how God is using them among the uncircumcised, about the Gentiles who are not circumcised. The law of Moses specified on the eighth day to circumcise every Hebrew, but now they're ministering to the Gentiles that do not know the law of Moses, do not have that background, and they're ministering to the uncircumcised, 
and they share with them about what God is doing. And Peter says, yes, I give you the right hand of fellowship. Jacob says, yes. Yohanan says, yes. The church in Jerusalem says, yes, we approve of what God is doing through your lives. We just ask you to remember the poor. Now, that's going to be one of the things that is mentioned also in Acts chapter 15 when they have this big council where everyone comes together. One of the things that they mention is to remember the poor. But this is a private meeting that they're having prior to Acts chapter 15, and it's very clear that this is a private meeting, but it is setting the foundation of what's going to take place when they all began to speak in Acts chapter 15. Any questions, Yoni? Yeah, you know, I've never really stopped to consider this, but it's kind of on my heart. The interval of 14 years, it's kind of surprising. When I think of Paul, I always think he goes around and he he's out there for a month and thousands of people come to the Lord, and he's out there for another month and thousands. But 14 years is quite a long time, and it's just, uh, I don't know, it, it just kind of puts it in, in a more realistic sense in my mind. That, that, that this is real ministry work. This is labor and this is building and, 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 and setting a foundation. I, I just, it, it feels much more real to me as opposed to, you know, what I built up in my mind subconsciously. When I really think about it, it kind of puts in context all these other missionaries that are in the field for long periods of time. Yeah. We have a tendency to think in terms of a movie, mm-hmm. you know, watching a two-hour movie and seeing the whole life of Paul. Yeah. But, yes, this is 14 years from his salvation to how God was using him and how he becomes acquainted with Barnabas, how he ends up in Antioch. You remember, it's Barnabas that goes and gets him and brings him back down to Antioch. And after 14 years of ministry, and now from 46 to 48 AD, this massive ministry to the Gentiles starts taking place. So 14 years have gone by. And it's not a two-hour movie. Mm -hmm. These are 14 crucial years of not only the gospel going to the Gentiles, but his own personal development. Now, one thing I believe that's important here, he starts off with God's calling and how this was a personal revelation of Jesus Christ to his life. But as we progress, we see the right hand of fellowship given to him by Jewish believers in Jerusalem. So we see the unity that's going forth. So this is not a different gospel that he's preaching. This is the gospel that he's preaching. Now he's about to confront a different gospel that tries to come into the picture and try to represent a different gospel as we continue this thought process. But remember, they are giving him the right hand of uh, the right hand of fellowship. Peter is, Cephas, Johanan is, John, Jacob, James. These are pillars of the faith in Jerusalem that are saying, you represent us as you go to the Gentiles. We may be being used among the Jews, but God is using you among the uncircumcised. God is using us more among the circumcised, but God is using you among the uncircumcised, and we give you the right hand of fellowship. But now he's going to turn the corner in verses 11 through 21. But let's read 11 through 14 and see a confrontation that Paul's going to have with Peter and with others. Could you read these verses? But when Cephas came to Antioch, 
I oppose him to his face, because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Kephas in the presence of all, If you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? Now let's stop there. It really brings to home the statement, Am I trying to please men or trying to please God? Because after this private meeting in Jerusalem, here we see Peter going to Antioch. We see men coming from Jacob, which is in Jerusalem. And when they come, Peter gets intimidated by their presence there, and he withdraws from Gentile believers, because at this time there are Gentile believers in Antioch, and starts eating only with the Jewish believers and not going to their homes and not having fellowship with them because of the dietary laws. You see, if you go into a Gentile's home, you're going to have to eat things that you're not permitted to eat according to the Mosaic law or the rabbinical law. This is something that has been there going back to Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius's uh, conversion. Peter was going to have to go into Cornelius's house and eat things that he has never eaten before. But what the understanding is in Acts chapter 10, and please do not miss this, Jesus never taught the Jewish people to abandon the dietary laws. Not even in Matthew chapter 15. That is a misinterpretation of it. He never broke the laws. He never taught any Jewish person to break the law. If he had broken the law, he would not be the fulfillment of the law. Mm -hmm. But what God is speaking to Peter about going to Cornelius' house is do not call any man unclean. What is more important that Cornelius comes to faith and knows this covenant relationship with God or the dietary law? What is more important? Of course, the individual is more important than the dietary law. Jesus explains it in this way. If a man falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would you not work to get that man out of the pit? Of course you would, because the man is more important than the Sabbath law, than the Shabbat law. The same principle is at work here. So now the Jews... Jewish believers from Jacob in Jerusalem, we don't know if they were a delegation from him or they just claimed that they were from Jacob. They come and Peter gets intimidated and he stops eating among the Gentile believers. And he only withdraws himself to them and would only eat with them. Even Barnabas, the son of encouragement, is brought into this hypocrisy. And here it is, Paul, that is standing in confrontation to Peter, to Barnabas, to, this, to these men, certain men that have come from Jacob, and he is saying, no, this is wrong. If you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compare the Gentiles to live like Jews? You come here to Antioch, Peter, and you go and you eat in the Gentile homes and you share the gospel with them. But now when this delegation comes, when these men from Jacob comes, you withdraw from them and only have fellowship with them. 
Are you trying to compel them to be like you? Where is this going to stop? There's hypocrisy that is here. Mm. And Paul faced this head on because he wasn't interested. Even though he received the right hand of fellowship from these individuals, he was not interested in a perpetual understanding of that favor upon his life. The most important thing upon his life was the favor of God and the purity of the gospel that the gospel had come to the Gentiles and they were saved by the grace of God through faith in Yeshua, the Messiah. Mm. Now that must generate some questions. I don't know if it does, but there's a strong confrontation that is taking place here. Yeah, I'm just in this confrontation. I just, I'm feeling the situation of the believers in, in, in Galatia, they're uncircumcised. They've, they've heard of Jesus. They've, they've met him, and they've been converted. And, 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 and according to the gospel, they've received the salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the completion in Jesus. And now their supposed brothers are withdrawing from them. And... And, and, and making them feel like second-rate believers. And they're withdrawing from them because of the dietary laws, the Mosaic law that about what they can eat and what they cannot eat, which is good for them. Mm-hmm. But how are the Gentiles ever going to come to faith? Not through the dietary laws, not through the circumcision of the flesh, not through the uh, Sabbath laws. In fact, the Jewish apostles never went out preaching the Sabbath laws or the dietary laws or the sacrificial laws to the Gentiles. Paul says at Corinthians, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is that message that changed them from the inside out. It is that message that the new covenant came into their lives. It is that message that the wild branches were grafted in and they have come to know the God of Abraham. The dietary laws, you can preach them all day. They're not going to change a person from the inside out. They may make you more healthy, but they're not going to change you spiritually. Hmm. The Sabbath laws, they're good laws. If you want to keep the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath. But the Sabbath is not your salvation. Yeshua is your salvation. He Hmm. is our true rest as we look into into the letter to the Hebrews. And so everything's fulfilled in him. So why am I going to start diverting the gospel to other areas? Hmm. Paul was not saved in that way. Was he saved through the dietary laws? No, he was saved through the grace of God, through a revelation of Yeshua, the son that came into his life and the forgiveness of sins. Now, why would he go preach a different gospel to the Gentiles? Hmm. So when this hypocrisy is starting to take place in Antioch, Because of the pressure of these men that have come from Jacob, from Jerusalem, this hypocrisy, Paul confronts it head on. Mm. And he's not a person that I would describe. I'm going to go into a contemporary setting. He's not a seeker-friendly believer. Mm -hmm. A seeker-friendly believer is saying, well, we don't want to offend anybody. They have their view. I have my view. And we're just going to try to find common ground. There is, that doesn't exist within Paul's ministry here. This is dealing with the gospel, and he's willing to confront it head on. Even if it isolates him from all the other Jewish believers, and if they withdraw the right hand of fellowship from him, he's willing to do this. 
And praise God, that's not what happens. In fact, in Acts chapter 15, they end up in unity together. And this issue never rises again throughout the book of Acts. Mm. You might see a little bit of it in Colossians or some different areas, but this issue is settled after Acts chapter 15. Mm. Now let's continue. Let's, let me say this about the rest of these verses that are so incredible here. We do not observe the law. That is not our focus. We do not pursue the law. We pursue the Messiah. I am messianic in this sense that I follow the Messiah. I am a Christian in this sense that I follow the Christ. My life is not about the dietary laws. My life is not about the Sabbath laws. My life is not about the sacrificial laws. My life is not about observing the law. It's not about pursuing the law. It's about denying myself, taking up my own cross, and following the Messiah. That's the focus of, of my life. It's not putting my eyes on those things. It's putting my eyes on Yeshua, the author and the perfecter of faith. But what about the law? Paul's going to make it even more powerful for us and our understanding of our life before God. And I hope no one misses these verses. Let's read verses 15 through the end of the chapter. And the emphasis is going to be what he says, which is designated verse 20. But let's read these verses. We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. But if, while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Amen. When you look at these words, this is really setting the the foundation for Romans 6, 7, and 8. Remember, Romans is going to be written about nine years later. Most people study Romans and then Galatians, but you should study Galatians and then Romans. Every principle that's in Galatians, you will see in Romans. But he's going to make a life lived for God through the Messiah so much greater and something that the law cannot do. Now, the Gentiles do not have the law. They're sinners. Mm -hmm. They live their lives however they want to live, by their pagan ideas. Jews have the law. But both Jews and Gentiles come to God not being justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Yeshua, the Messiah. He is the goal of the law. He is the end of the law. The law is fulfilled in him, and both Jews and Gentiles will come to God and know the righteousness of God, this eternal righteousness through faith in Yeshua. Now, how do we live our lives? If it's not about pursuing the law, 
like I said a few moments ago, it's about denying yourself, taking up your own cross, and following Yeshua, the Messiah. Verse 20 that is designated here is so powerful. But verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Remember, the law just makes sin very clear, Romans chapter 7, but it doesn't set you free to live for God. Chapter 8 of Romans, it's through a life in the Spirit, through the Messiah, that we have the ability to cry out, Abba, Father. We have the ability to follow God even in the midst of persecution. So the law is not my salvation. The law is not my power to live for God. It only makes sin very, very clear, Romans chapter 7. But how do we respond to this life for God? Look at verse 20. I have been crucified with the Messiah, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Think about that. My whole life is not about me. I died. And I tell people this all the time. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I died. A dead man doesn't have a purpose in life because he's dead. A dead man doesn't have aspirations. A dead man is not saying, what is my future? A dead man is not asking God to fulfill my destiny. I'm dead. So life is not about me anymore. It's all about God. It's all about following the Messiah, who is the way to God, the only way to God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. In Him, the grace of God has been revealed for eternal salvation. So I die. I'm dead. A dead man doesn't have a future. What is my future? That I die and that Christ lives within me. That the power of the Messiah that I believe that is demonstrated so well through the end of Galatians and in Romans, through a life in the Spirit, that it is Christ who lives in me. And this life that I live in the flesh, I'm going to live how? By faith. Faith in the Son of God the one who loved me and gave up his life for me. That is the goal for every follower of Yeshua. That is the goal for every community of faith. It's not fulfilling your destiny, but it is dying and allowing the power of Christ to live in you and you walking by faith. It's a walk by faith, not by sight. It's a willingness to say, God, here is my life. You take it. I die to my aspirations and my dreams. This business is not my business. This home is not my home. This car is not my car. My future is not my future. It's all for your glory. Let me die daily and let Christ live within my life. That's how we live as followers of Yeshua. It's so much greater than the law, so much greater than the rabbinical law. Do I eat this? Do I not eat this? So much greater than the Sabbath laws. Keep those laws if you want to, but that's not your salvation. And what God expects of you as a follower of Yeshua is everything. Take all of your possessions, go and give them to the poor, and come and follow me. This is what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. It will cost you everything. Everything for God's glory. Everything belongs to God. Amen. Man, I, I can only imagine how encouraging this would be. I'm, I'm picturing this church that's, that's 
you know, probably very distraught, and they feel like second-rate followers of Christ, and, and, and these so-called leaders that they looked up to from Jerusalem have come down, and, and now there's this division, and, and then hearing Paul say that it all comes down to Christ, you know, that, we're, that, that, that Christ should be the center. I could, I could just imagine how encouraging that would be in the midst of these turmoil, uh, this turmoil of, well, we didn't have the law, and we, we've never been taught the law, and we haven't been doing this and that. And then hearing Paul say, it's all about Christ, you know, how encouraging that is to say, okay, well, that, that, at least I have that. <laughs> yes. And think about it. If it's just about the dietary laws or getting circumcised of the flesh or keeping the uh, Shabbat laws or even continuing the sacrificial laws, even though that Christ died once and for all, all these things being drawn back into that, that's easy. Mm-hmm. It's a burden, and it builds so many bondages sometimes because you see your identity through these things. But our identity is through Christ. Mm. And it's Him living in us through the power of God's Spirit. And what does it cost us? Everything. Mm. Everything. Everything we have belongs to God. Mm. And it's all for God's glory. It's so much deeper of an understanding than the hypocrisy that's taking place, that's coming from Jerusalem, trying to be placed upon these Jewish believers is going to cost them everything. I want to end with a prayer that we pray, a prayer of commitment of our heart and our life to God, that whatever God wants to do, it will be done in our lives. Heavenly Father, I pray that we can say with Paul, that we have been crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but it is the Messiah that lives within us. God, help us to walk by faith in Him who loved us and gave up His life for us. Help us to live that life, a life of complete and total dedication to Your glory, and even submitting to the point of going to the cross. He went to the cross. Teach us, O God, how to carry our own cross and follow You and to take up the life of the Messiah. Lord, let us die to ourselves. Let our futures not be about us, but let it be all about you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.